Everybody who's glad to be at church today, anybody glad to be in the house of God? Anybody ready for At The Movies starting next week? Come on, that's going to be awesome too. And I, I just want to give a big hello to everybody who's online with us as well. Um, we uh, have a friend of ours, uh, a church planter, who's going to be planting in Frisco, Texas in the next year or so. He and his family currently live in California, and they're going to be moving to Frisco to start a brand new church. His name's Josh Reeves and his family. Can we welcome uh, Josh and, and all the others who are online with us today? We're glad that you're with us. So thankful that you're part of our church family, and a couple things I just want to tell you about uh, as, as we're uh, before we get into the message today. And the first thing is that next Sunday we are launching a brand new service for the month of November. It's going to be at 4:30 p.m. on Sunday afternoons, and it's going to have everything that this service would have, or any any of our other morning services. It's going to be the same service, the same songs, the same messages. Um, but what we're doing is we're spreading people out across. Uh, all of our services because At The Movies is one of the most attended series of the entire year. And you can look around this room today and say we are at capacity here in this service. And so we have two other services, but we also have uh, for the month of November, the 4.30 p.m. service. And so this is for those of you who work on Sunday mornings. Maybe you're streaming it right now from work. There's, there's a lady I met in the early service. She works every other Sunday and she's so looking forward to the Sunday afternoon service that she can attend. Or maybe, maybe there's an elusive 10 point that, that the 4.30 service would just be better for your schedule on Sundays. Can we just be honest about it? Come on. I, I mean, let's just be real, right? Or maybe, maybe uh, it's, it's um, that, that Sunday where your team is playing earlier in the day. The 4.30 service is perfect, right? You can still come to church on Sunday, and so it's going to be a great opportunity for us to just also spread people out across all of our services on Sunday as we go into, into At The Movies. Next Sunday, we're kicking off At The Movies, and, and this is one of our uh, favorite series of the year, not because we do movies. Quite honestly, it has nothing to do with movies. It's more about the fact that somehow, someway, these movies, the, the blockbusters and, and the biblical collision of the two are able to reach people in ways that we don't quite understand, we don't get it, but some of the, the, some of the highest numbers of salvations come during our At The Movie series. And so I want to ask you, because eternity matters, hey everybody, because heaven and hell are real, can we do two things? Can I ask you to do two things? And that's number one, can we invite, can we get our friends here through At The Movies? When you came in today, um, there's... There's some At The Movies invite cards, a six-pack of cards on every seat. And so what I would ask you to do is take those with you today. And then throughout this week, uh, through, throughout the weeks ahead, invite a friend, invite a coworker, because you have a sphere of influence. You have people in your life that I don't have in my life. And they would come to church if you invite them. In fact, statistics say that eight, over 80% of people would come to church if they just got an invite. What? So 80%, so the, so the numbers are in your favor. Can I just say it that way, everybody? The numbers are in your favor. Invite somebody to come to church with you, to sit with you. But the, the kind of invitation they're going to say yes to is one where you say, hey, I'll meet you at the front door. Hey, if you want, we'll meet in the parking lot. We'll walk up together. I'll help you get the coffee. I'll help you find, you can sit with our family. And hey, after church, why don't we go to lunch together? That's the kind of invitation they want. And so let's do that. Let's, let's invite. But then secondly, let's also pray. 
Let's pray that their eyes would be open. Let's pray that they would have an aha moment throughout the movie series. Let's pray that their hearts would be tenderized and that they would just be ready to receive what God wants to do in their lives and that many of them would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? I mean, let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. So that's coming up at the movies kicks off next week. It's going to be so, so, so good. All right. Well, um, today is Legacy Vision Sunday. And what we like to do is uh, once a year, we take a Sunday, usually the last Sunday of October, and we share our vision coming up for what we call our legacy offering. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. But, um, but what I want to do today is remind you of our vision. We have four points of vision here at church, and that is that we want every person to know God. We want every person to find freedom. We want every person to discover their purpose, what God has called them to do in this life. And then at the end of the day, we want every person to make a difference. And so today, today's message is really focused on making a difference for eternity, for eternity, not just making a difference, not just feeding somebody, not just taking care of people in Uganda or, 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 or in Afghanistan or, or Guatemala, no, not just doing that, but helping people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That is what making a difference is really all about. And so that's why we do series like at the movies, is so that people can come to know Jesus. Now, if we're going to make a difference, though, then, then we have to focus on things that matter. What are things that matter? And I want, to, I want to propose to you today that a lot of times in life, we, we're focused on the wrong things. We're focused on things that are not eternal. See, things that are eternal are the things that matter. Can I get a witness? And, and I'll prove it to you. I'll prove that we focus on things that are not eternal by just asking you right now to, to pick five things that you can see with your eyes right now. Just, just look at five things around the room. What do you see? Five things. Some of you are looking at the TV, the table, the, uh, the teaching monitor, maybe the drums, maybe it's the keyboard, maybe it's the speakers, the subwoofers. You're looking at all of these different things, but you're missing one, two, three, four, five, six. You're missing all of the other eternal things in the room. And that's, uh, that's just, that just goes to show us so often that we're focused on things that don't last forever. We're focused on the car, we're focused on the house, we're focused on the income, and God says, I want you to get your eyes off of that, and I want you to focus on things that last forever, and the only thing that lasts forever is people. Come on, somebody, people last forever, and so we call this season that we're in, we call it legacy, and legacy is what others remember about you when you're gone. So what, what, what are people going to say about you? When, when we're standing out there in that classic movie scene, everybody's got their umbrellas lowering you into the dirt, right? Just w w what are we going to say about you? He was a good man or he used everything he had to help people come to know Jesus Christ. Man, I don't know about you, but that's what I want people to say about me. Not that he was just good, not that he was just a good family guy. That's important. But he used what he had. He helped people to know Jesus Christ at the end of the day. Amen. Right? So, so I... So legacy is what people remember about us when we're gone. Can I ask you this question? What, what would happen if we closed our doors at City Hope? Would, would Wichita Falls notice if we shut things down? I mean, would, 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 would it affect people if we no longer were a church? And if the answer is no, then my next question is, what are we doing here? 
if we're not, if, if people wouldn't miss us, if, if there wouldn't be a gaping hole in our community, if we shut the doors, then we might as well shut the doors today. But, but here's what I believe. We are making a difference. That there would be a gaping hole. That there would be, there would be some people who miss us. There would be some people who, who wonder, what happened to that church? Man, they were helping me. They were, they were discipling me. They, they, they are the reason that I'm a Christian today. I, I believe that, right? And so I want to take a look at a theme verse today. It's uh, Proverbs 11, verse 25. It says that a generous man prospers. Okay, so, so generous people prosper. God blesses them to be a blessing. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So when we bless other people through something like the legacy offering that I'm going to tell you about, when we bless them, it does something for us, everybody. It actually refreshes us too. And so today I want to share what this legacy season has to offer. Okay, so for the, if, if you don't like today's message because I'm talking about generosity, come back next week for At The Movies. You'll be fine, all right? So, so today, though, I want to share some thoughts that this legacy season has to offer, and then we'll talk about generosity at the end for just a couple of minutes. But, but the first thing I want you to know is that we are six weeks away. Our legacy offering is coming up on December 11th. Now, the re- why are we telling you that? We tell you about it six weeks in advance because we, want, we don't believe in, in pressure giving or compulsive giving. We tell you now so that you can be thinking and praying and asking God what he wants you to do. And, and for those of you who are new to church, the legacy offering is a one-time special offering. We, we do one special offering a year, and we use that offering, we use 100% of it, outside of our normal operational budget, which, by the way, right now, we're, we're leading the church. We're operating the church on 74% of what you give. So, hey, come on, can we just give God thanks for that? That's pretty incredible. But we, but we could do more. The legacy offering is there to accelerate beyond what our operational budget can cover. And so we use 100% of that for different, for, for different things. And I'll tell you about those different lanes in just a moment. But if you're a guest with us today, I just wanna, I, I want you to know you're kind of sitting in on a family meeting. All right, This is for those who call City Hope home. And if you're a guest, there's no pressure, obligation for you to participate in this offering we would love for you to. We want you to be part of our family. Isn't that right, church? We want you to be part of what God's doing here. But there's no pressure for you to, to, to be part of it. That's just that's between you and God. But for the rest of us who say, this is my church, this is an all-call. It's an offering where we go above and beyond our tithes and our offerings, and we give to just really accelerate some different things that we have going on, projects and missions, Okay. And so before I tell you about those five lanes, those five areas that we want to accelerate, let me, let me just remind you something I taught at the beginning of the year. Back in March, I did a series called The Blessed Life. And uh, let, me, let me show you a ladder of generosity that I taught back then. Because a lot of people, they think generosity begins with, you know, five bucks that they put in the offering bucket or, you know, $10 or, hey, I was really generous today, gave a hundred. And, and I want to propose to you that, that really that's not even generous. I want to propose to you that tithing itself is not even generous, that tithing is obedience. It's not generous, it's obedience. You're, so tithing is not being generous, it's just not stealing from God. That's what, that's what Malachi says. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The, the tithing is simply 
returning to God what's already his. So that's really not generous, it's obedience. But then the next level of, the, of, of generosity would be offerings. And that's where generosity begins, is when we go above and beyond our tithes. Which, by the way, the, the budget that we have here is based on these two things, tithes and offerings. And, and then the third thing is our extravagant offerings. That's where legacy offering comes in. That's where we, we go above that. We give sacrificially. I call it a pain offering sometimes because it, it hurts to give sometimes. It's painful to be generous sometimes, but it's always the right thing to do. And so um, that's where the legacy offering comes in, where we give above and beyond. And so we tell you now, six weeks in advance, so you can be thinking, praying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to give? What can I, what can I sow? All right? And so um, today, what I want to do is, I've told you about the legacy offering. Now I want to give you five lanes that we support through that offering. So it doesn't get used for the budget. We, we use it outside of the walls of this church and also to accelerate some projects. So here's a couple, uh, I'm going to go through these first three really fast, okay? But what we do is we accelerate local missions. We're going to choose, and already our team has been vetting different organizations, different ministries that are doing good. They're using their gifts, they're, they're using what they have, but we're going to come alongside them and accelerate them in greater ways. Last year we accelerated... Um, uh, uh, um, um, the, the center here in town and we help renew their license for their, for their um, sonogram, what, what's it called the, uh, uh, the machine, the ultrasound machine and so uh, we, we helped do that so that, so that they, could, they could save lives everybody, how about that we, we accelerated so many different things through, um, through local missions last year through a, a, an addiction recovery uh, program out in Olney. We, we sowed into them. We helped it accelerate some things for them. And, and so we'll do that locally, but also nationally. We have national missions. That's, through, that's church planting. And so we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. We believe actually a healthy local church is the hope of the world. It needs to be healthy. We believe that we're one of those churches that we're helping accelerate the gospel nationally. So what does that mean? That means that every Every month, we send a portion of our income to help accelerate church planting. And this year alone, just this year alone, your generosity has helped plant 61 brand new churches across America. And on launch day, 549 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ because of your generosity right here. That's awesome. So we resource pastors, we resource churches, we help launch brand new churches, but then we also have... Uh, an international missions program that we help accelerate. So we're already giving to these out of what you give already. So we're already doing something. We're already sowing good seeds into all of these missions, but we will accelerate things. Uh, we, we have um, uh, projects going on in Afghanistan, projects in Israel, in Guatemala. We have projects in Cuba. We're translating the Bible in Ukraine. What are we doing for the Ukrainian people? Giving them the word of God so that they can come to know Jesus in a powerful way, right? And so the, here's what we've done already outside of legacy. This is just your giving already this year. Because of your giving, we've given to local, national, and international missions $172,642.08 outside of the walls of this church given to make a difference for eternity. For eternity. 
All right, and I'm, I'm flying through those first three. I have a lot that I could share, and, and we'll, I'll send you a legacy letter in the next coming weeks. We're working on a web page where you can see some other things, uh, stories and celebration points. But I really want to talk today about uh, our fourth lane and our fifth lane. And our fourth lane is Next Generation Ministries. And, and for years, we've had what we call um, a leadership academy. It used to be number four. It used to be our, our fourth lane. And we still care about the Leadership Academy. We're still accelerating it. That's a, that's a program we have to develop next generation leaders. But I believe we need to have a focus like never before on our next generation. Amen. All right? Because so many times what we say about the next generation is that, yeah, one of these days when they get old enough, then we'll let them serve. One of these days when they mature a little bit, then we can let them use their gifts and passions in church. One of these days, what I'm saying to us is not one of these days, now. Like now, they're not the next generation, they're the right now generation. They're right now. And so what we've done as a church is we've tried to build a Sunday service where young people want to attend it. Like we, I want to have the kind of church that young people want to come on Sundays, not just Wednesday. And because what I believe is that if, if young people will come to church here, so will their parents and so will their grandparents. Yeah. It's a generational thing. But if we build a church for all of the grandparents, uh, the young people don't want to go. But if we build it for the young people, the parents and grandparents want to come. Right. This is generational, everybody. Yeah. And so nothing against us older folks, but come on, this is for the next generation. We've got to leave something. We've got to leave a legacy for them. Can I get an amen right there? I, I hope I'm not hurting anybody's feelings today, but we've got to leave, a, leave it for the next generation. And so, but here's what I've come to realize, is that more than anything, the next generation, they don't need a presentation. They don't need a program. They don't need a production. The next generation needs the power and the presence of God in their lives. They need an encounter with God like never before. That's what our next generation needs. They've got all of the other things. They've got all of the things that are pulling at them in life. What they need is a moment with God that would change their lives. Amen. So, so we, we got some statistics. There's all kinds of research about the next generation that's, that's happening right now. And in o- October's first Wednesday service, Pastor Caleb, who's over our next generation, that's, that's one of the things he oversees, he gave us some statistics. And, uh, and, and these statistics are just some things that that are kind of shocking and they're things that I'm not okay with, if I could just say it like that. Here's what, here's what the statistics are saying about Gen Z. Gen Z is uh, the age group of um, those born in 1997 to 2012. That's the age range, okay? Gen Z born 97 to 12. Here's what they're saying about Gen Z. That one in four people worldwide are part of Gen Z. One in four. So a quarter of the percentage, a quarter of the population of the world is Gen Z. So that's nearly 2 billion people across the world are part of this generation. Here's what else they say. 9% of them are engaged Christians. That means they go to church occasionally. And when we, when we think of engaged as adults, don't think of it that way. En- engaged means that they go to church occasionally, they read their Bible occasionally, they they, they go to church, but it's not really maybe as, as uh, deep of a relationship as maybe we would think engaged means. But then 
33% of them are church Christians. That means that they, they have a place that they call home. They are CEOs, Christmas and Easter's only, all right? Christmases and Easter's only, CEOs. They, they're churched. But then 16% are unchurched. I like Jesus. I think he's real. I just don't care about the church. Haven't found one that really meets my needs. I don't, it, 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 none of this really matters to me. So I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not really up for the church thing. 7%, it's another faith. Like I, I, Christianity's not my cup of tea. 34% of Gen Z say, I don't believe in religion at all. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm done with it. It's not something that I'm interested in. And that's, that's kind of disturbing. But here's the one that, that really gets me. And that is that two out of three Gen Z students are expected to leave the church. Two out of three, everybody. That's, that's huge. That's monumental. Now, let me put that in, in, into, um, in, into perspective for you today. Uh, out of the number of students, the number of kids that we will have in our kids' classes today... So I'm not talking about students and I'm not talking about college age. I'm talking about first through fifth graders or, or newborns through fifth graders that are in the back of our church today. Out of that total number of kids that are in there today, that means 126 of them will walk away from the church at some point in their life. And I'm not okay with that. That's not okay. I mean, I'm just giving you the statistics of what is... This is what's predicted based on what they're seeing today. And this is not something that I think we can just sit back and say, well, that's okay. We'll get them on the next generation. We'll get them on the next go around. No, we, we can't be okay with this. And so we've, we've noticed a shift uh, in, in our generations. And so uh, this month in October's, in October's motion night, we did a survey. We asked our students to to respond to one statement. That's all we wanted them to do is tell us one, finish one statement. And that statement was, I wish my parents knew. And we asked them to fill in the blank. It was totally anonymous. It was all digital. We have no way to know who said what. But I'm going to read to you some of their responses. And so these responses were not, these aren't like kids in California or like New York. These are kids in our church. And I want you to hear the cry of their heart today. That they said, I wish my parents knew how much they hurt me. And this is not a parent bashing. I'm just telling you what our kids are feeling. I wish my parents knew how broken I am on the inside going through my life at the moment. I wish my parents knew that I lost my virginity and I regret it. With everything that I have. I wish I, wish I could tell them. I wish, I, I don't know what's behind that. I don't know why. But I wish, I wish they knew what they're saying. I, I wish my parents knew what the real story was. What the truth was. How I feel. What's going on. I wish my parents knew how hard they are on me. And sometimes I just want to be able to be a kid. I, I, I wish I wasn't rushed to grow up and act so mature and uptight. 
I love them both, but they drain me. You can hear that sense of, I feel like I can't measure up. I feel like I'm never good enough. I feel like I'm never, a, there's too much pulling at me. But, but just so that you, you don't feel like this is just a, a time to make us parents feel bad. Listen, I got four kids of my own. But listen, I wish my parents knew that I love, I love them. They want you to know. They may be big and bad. And they may act like they don't want you to be involved in their life and get out of my room and quit talking to me. But can I tell you, they want you to know that they love you but they need you in their lives. I wish, I wish my parents knew how bad I needed them. I need their presence. I wish my parents knew I feel like I'm not worth anything. They don't even notice. Apparently, I'm overreacting. It's making me upset. And I, don't, I, I just don't know what to do. I can't handle it anymore. I'm, I'm feeling lonely. You feel that desperation in them. That they want their parents to know. And then this one. I wish my parents knew that I want to be held to a standard. Hey parents, even though your kids act like they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to do the things that you're asking them to do, they do. They want to be held to a standard. They want you to tell them, here's the goal post. Here's the goal line. They want that, but, but this this teenager says, I just don't want to get in trouble if I'm not perfect. You can, you can feel that sense of, 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 I have to be perfect in order to make my parents happy. And so, today, what I'm asking us to do is, let's have a partnership. Because this is not all on the church. We, we can't raise your kids for you. But I also know that it's not all on you. That we need to, we need to have a partnership. We need to invest in the next generation. Parents, I, I, I need help. Any other parents need help today? I need some help raising some kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, need, I need help raising my kids. But when I read things like this, as a pastor and as a father, it makes me want to do something. It makes me want to, like, it, it makes me want to jump in and let's, let's do something. Let's, let's, let's change this narrative. And we could say, hey, one of these days we're, we're going to... One of these days, we are going to do something. One of these days, we will invest. One of these days, we will, we, we will take this serious. But one of these days, we'll do something about it, or we could do something about it. Or we could invest, or we could use our gifts and our talents and our abilities to invest into the next generation. And so I'm saying, let's do it now. Let's do it now. So we're already doing a lot. We're already doing a lot. Um, in fact, you've probably noticed the sports court that's, that's uh, we've opened up, that up for the, the last several weeks. And uh, all throughout the week, you could come up here on any given day, and there are students, there are kids from the surrounding neighborhoods, from the apartments that are playing. They're, they're use, utilizing that back, back there, and also they're beginning to come to church, everybody. We, so so we, we want to invest in our next generation. We want to do something about it. We're doing a lot, but we could do more. Let me say it this way. We, we could do more if we had more resources. If we had more resources, we could remodel our kids' wing back there. And we could incorporate uh, better ways that it could serve kids and students and college age. If we had more resources, we could invest in our college students. We've got a college campus a block away. If we had more resources, we could reach more people. 
If we had more resources, we, we could do something. We could reach Gen Zers because one day they're going to be preaching the gospel here. One day they're going to be leading us in worship. There already are. Many of them are already serving. So let's invest in them today. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. So, so Jesus says it this way, that there's, there's, a, there's a lot of Gen Zers out there. Quarter of a, there there's, there's two billion. The harvest is plentiful. A lot of Gen Z. But the workers are few. If we had more resources, we could raise up more workers. If we had more resources, we could make a difference in this generation. The harvest is there. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers to his harvest field. And so I, I think if, if, you can't, if, if you can't get excited about next generation, if that doesn't fire you up, your wood's wet. Just saying, your wood's wet. If it, don't train, if, it, if it don't crank your tractor, you ain't got no gas in it, all right? You just... So this is something that can fire all of us up. We can get behind next generation. But if that doesn't crank your tractor, then uh, let me give you our last lane. And, and this lane is, is buildings and projects, which, by the way, is coinciding with our next generation ministries. Um, and I'll tie that together here in just a minute. So when we moved into this building in, um, in 2020, we signed a lease on the building in 2020. We, we moved into the building in the fall of that year, of 2020. When we moved in, we thought to ourselves, man, we are going to be able to, to really grow in, in this building. I mean, this, this is going to manage our growth and facilitate our growth for years to come. We believed that because at the time, um, our, our average in-person attendance during the pandemic was 257 people per Sunday. It had been cut in half. Like we were averaging 500 before the pandemic and it cut in half to 257 in the pandemic. And so we thought, okay, this is, this is big enough to facilitate our growth for, for a while. But can I tell you that in the last two years, two years, 24 months, we have seen a 307% increase in weekend attendance. 307%. That's crazy. And that's not happening everywhere, by the way. That's not happening all over the church spectrum. We, God's blessing us. God is doing something here. He is, it, it's him. But what, what that does is it requires us to look at some things very strategically. It requires us to take a look at where we are and where we are headed. And so there's a few challenges that we have. With, our, with where we're at right now. A few growth challenges. One of those challenges is our facility. We're located on three acres. We're landlocked. We have nowhere else to grow, nowhere else to go. It's not like we can... We have significant parking issues in the back. All y'all want to park out on the front. I get it. I get it's close to the front door, right? But then you have to go around back and we have service times that are changing and, and trying to find a spot. And then it's, it, it's just not a big enough parking lot to facilitate all of the different services and the flow that we have. We're landlocked. There's nowhere else to go. Can't buy property. We've got houses and apartments on all sides of us. So, so that's a challenge that we have. But then the other challenge we have is uh, we are at capacity in all of our kids' classes especially in this 10 o'clock service. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we have significant overcrowding in some of those classes. We have four classrooms right now. 
We have four classrooms right now, and most of those are at capacity. And sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a hassle getting in and getting out. And so of those two dilemmas, those two challenges, we can only change one. Because we can't change anything about the parking lot. It is what it is, what it is right? It's just, it just, it's, just, it's just not big enough. It's not, it's not going to facilitate. In fact, our, our, the parking lot is too small for the size of this auditorium. It, it's, uh, it's just too small for that. So there's only one thing we can change then. And we, we, can, we can add some service times, and that'll help. And we can rework our current service times, and we're looking at the potential of doing that, just, just changing the time slightly so that we can give a little bit more room between service times so people can get in and out. And we're looking at that, right? And, and we, we don't need to grow for the sake of growing, but we need to grow if heaven and hell are real. Like, we need to do something if heaven and hell are real. We, we've got work to do. And so what we can do, we can't change the parking lot, but what we can do is we can remodel our kids' wing. We can remodel our kids' wing, go from four rooms to eight rooms, a, a, a whole remodel of that entire space that would facilitate our kids, our students, our college. It would upgrade every restroom. To, to every, everything would become ADA compliant, which nothing is right now. It, it, the, the whole entire thing would be in a, a brand new facility that would, that would pay dividends for decades in the future for whoever, whatever happens with this building. And you see that it would cost $650,000, which, by the way, two years ago would have been half this price, right? But again, it is what it is. And this number is based on real that's a, those are real bids. We actually have the architectural designs. We have the mechanical, electrical, the plumbing. All the designs are ready. We have everything ready to go. In fact, we even have all of the money already to do this project. To God be the glory. That's the good news. The bad news is it's in your pockets. And so <laughs> we... <laughs> so... We're going to need you to give. <laughs> Little humor right there, but that's the absolute truth. We, God has blessed us to be a blessing, right? And so, um, so, so this, is, this, is, this is a project that we, we don't want to move forward on until we have the cash on hand. We, we have one mortgage for this building, and we don't want to mortgage anything else for, uh, for the future. Uh, we, we don't, we don't want to mortgage that. We want to be able to pay cash for that and be able to move quickly with that. And so that's one of the things that we can do to invest in our next generation. Um, another thing that we can do that would alleviate growth, I think that the, the building, uh, building uh, remodeling back there would, would certainly alleviate things that are happening in the kids' room. It would add a new exit so that uh, once you pick up your kids, you can exit. You wouldn't be able to enter that way, but it would be an exit point for you. It would help with a lot of the ingress and egress. But another thing we can do that to alleviate growth is launch a Burke Burnett campus, which is a dream that's been our heart for a couple years. And it won't eliminate the growth challenges, but it will alleviate those because many of you live in Burke Burnett. Many of you live on the north side of town, and you could go to that campus just as easy as you can come here. And so that is a $250,000 investment to get that campus off the ground. Those are both short-term things that we can do, but here's, here's something we can do long-term. Something we can do long-term. Knowing that this building and this facility and this property is, is maybe not where we spend 
the rest of City Hope's life is we can purchase land. That's something that we're looking at long term. Uh, we say it's long term because it's, it is the most expensive of the three options. Uh, and, and by the time you purchase land and build a building, you're talking about multi-millions of dollars because, because of the way all of that works. And so this is something we can do long term. And I'm just giving you the vision. I'm giving you that vision so that we can, we can run with that vision. All right? So, um, so that's, that's the five lanes. Local missions, national, international. We're going to accelerate partnerships we already have. But then we're going to set money aside to help us remodel that, that new kid's wing back there. So back in uh, August, someone um, uh, from our accounting team, they uh, sent Annalise and I a message letting us know that we had received the largest single uh, donation check that, that City Hope had ever received. It was a check for $100,000. $100,000. And this was not from like some old money that you're thinking, oh yeah, that's old money right there. There's somebody who just... No, it was actually uh, someone who, um, just like most of us in the room today, they, they, they come from a, just a, a normal background, but God had blessed them through, through the death of a relative with an inheritance and they knew what it was for. And um, so we were just thanking them. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for investing in this. And, and with tears in her eyes, the wife said, God just kept telling me, it's for eternity. It's for eternity. It's for eternity. It's for eternity. And I, I want to look you in the eyes today, and I want to tell you that whatever we invest in this legacy offering is for eternity. It's not to build a building. It's not, it's not to build a dynasty Hey, it, it, it's, it's not just to have newer or nicer things. It's for eternity. It's so that people can come to know Jesus Christ in a powerful way. That's, that's what it's for. And, and we've always had this idea, this belief that we move at the pace of your generosity. And, and while uh, we get to set the vision of the church, you get to set the pace of the vision of the church. You get to set that pace. You get to set how fast we're able to do it. And, and we're doing a lot of great things, but we, we could do more. And so um, I'm, I'm just asking you over the next six weeks to pray and ask God what he wants you to do. How does he want you to respond, and, and, and where does he want you to go from here? All right? So does that excite you a little bit about just the next generation, what we're doing there? Come on, can we give God thanks for that? The, the heart behind that to just make a difference with Gen Z. So I want to talk about leg uh, um, generosity really quick. I'm going to wrap it up as quick as I can because we have another service. And, uh, and here's, here's the truth about generosity. There's, there's, there's another side, and that is selfishness, right? God blesses us to be a what? A blessing. But not everybody wants to be a blessing. Some people focus on themselves. Some people think about what matters for them. And I'll prove it to you uh, through... through um, Another survey that was done years ago in a book called The Day America Told the Truth. They asked the question, what would you do for $10 million? And, and this is what people said. 25% of people said they would abandon their entire family for $10 bucks. Some of you are like, sign me up right, right now. This is crazy. 23% said they'd become a prostitute for a week or more. Um... 7% said they'd kill a stranger 
To put that in perspective, that's 73 people right here in City Hope Church today. Y'all better watch your back. Just say. So what does this say to us? It says that we are selfish people. That we, we will do almost anything for more. For more money. And, and so what I want to do today is I want to encourage us that, that God, God wants you to have more, but he wants you to know what the more is for. In 2 Corinthians Paul says, since you excel in so many ways, you're excelling in your faith. Come on, City Hope Church. You're excelling as gifted speakers. You're excelling in knowledge and enthusiasm, your love for people. But Paul says, I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. So yes, go serve. Show up at First Saturday Serve this weekend. Serve. Go to the growth track next Sunday. Get on the dream team. Serve. Pray. Read your Bible. Do all of those things, but also grow in your gracious act of giving. So I want to give you two thoughts today about generosity. And the first thing is this, that, that generosity makes us more like Jesus. As we prepare to give in, in this offering six weeks from today, no offering today. We're not pressuring you to give. We're giving you six weeks to pray and ask God what he wants you to do. Know that generosity makes you more like Jesus. Because to be a Christian means to be like Christ. And the most, the most giving thing that you'll ever do is to give your life to Christ. Right? But, but also, you are never more like Christ than when you give. The Bible says that God loved the world so much that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. So he gave. He gave his son. And Jesus, while he's walking the earth, he willingly laid his life down. What did he do? He gave his life for us. So we're never more like Jesus than when we give. Proverbs says it this way, that some people are always greedy for more. They just want more, more, more for themselves, more for, for them. But the godly, the people who are like God, the people who are like Jesus, they love to give. Come on, you, you're telling me that I get to sow into our next generation? Sign me up, Pastor. I, I love to give. So the closer I get to God, the more generous I'll become. But the other side of generosity is selfishness. So if generosity makes us more like Jesus, we could surmise that selfishness makes us less like Jesus. And selfishness makes us unhappy. We're never satisfied with anything. We're, we're never content with anything because I've got to have more. I've, I've got to have more. Proverbs 14 says that a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. So selfishness in your marriage. It's not going to be a happy marriage. Selfishness in your finances. You're, you're never going to be content with what you do have. You're not going to find joy in what you do have. Selfishness in your talent. Your talent loses its appeal. You're selfish with your heart. You, you, you won't get close to people. You, you're, you're afraid that they're going to hurt you. You'll end up lonely because of selfishness. Here's why. Selfishness is incompatible with the nature of God. Selfishness is unlike God, and it separates us from God. So I want you to believe today that God wants you to excel. He wants you to succeed and excel in every area of your life. He wants you to do great in every area of your life, but also in the area of giving. 
but it takes practice. It takes practice. It's, it take, it's, it's like going to the gym, working out. It's a process to get from where you are today to where you want to be in the future. And generosity is the same way. It takes practice. It takes exercise. And so what I'm asking you to do is to pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And for some of you, I, I know I'm, this is maybe the strongest I've ever preached about generosity today, but I just, I, I believe that it is a mark of discipleship that God's calling us all to a new level. For some of you, maybe you're, you're, not, you're not really tithing and you, you would say, oh, Pastor Ben, I can't go from zero to 10% like that. And I would encourage you and just say, listen, just start small. Zero to 3%. Then work your way up to five, to seven, to 10%. God will honor that along the way. For some of you, it's maybe that you're, 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 you, you tithe, but it's inconsistent. Every couple months, you might drop something in, but maybe God's speaking to you about being consistent in that. For some of you, maybe it's about going above your tithe, giving offerings, or maybe for some of you, it's, a, it's an extravagant, sacrificial type offering that God wants you to have. I don't get to make that decision for you. That's between you and the Lord, that you ask God what he wants you to do. And remember that the godly love to give. The godly love to give. So I want to ask you to bow your heads with me today. and I'm praying over us just a spirit of generosity. Lord, that we would give out of a grateful heart. Lord, that we, Lord we're not giving under pressure, under compulsion, but Lord, we, we give as cheerful givers. We are happy to give, Lord. This is not something we, get, we have to do. We get to give. We, we don't give to get. We get to give. We get to be a blessing. We get to be an influence. We get to be an accelerator through this legacy offering. And I pray right now that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice over the next six weeks, that we'd make it a priority to pray and to ask and to plan and to prepare what you're asking us to give, Lord. And for some of us, it's a miraculous gift. Lord, it's something that only you could pull through. You, only you can do it, God. And so we're asking you to build our faith, that we would believe and trust in you, that you're able to do in us what you're calling us to do. So I thank you for that spirit of generosity that's welling up inside of us. And with your head still bowed, if you're here today and maybe you're far from God, maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself, dude, I came on the wrong Sunday. This whole thing is just, this is my wrong weekend to be here. I, I want to encourage you with something that you're in the right place today. And maybe you're thinking about just walking out and, and man, a, a, a new church was just all about money, whatever. Listen, the most selfish thing you could do is to leave here today and, and say, I'm done with this. I tried it once. And, and to keep living your life all about you. That's the most selfish thing that you can do. But the most generous thing you can do today is to move from selfishness to surrender. To say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. You are my God. You are my king. And I'm, I'm going to turn my life over to you. I'm not going to be in control anymore. I want you to be in control of my life, Jesus. And that's the most generous thing that you could do. God's not interested in your money. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. And if you're here today, far from God, distant, feel the weight of your sin, the weight of your guilt, the weight of your condemnation. If that's you, you're ready to come to Jesus today. On the count of three, I want you to boldly lift up your hand. Just say, that's me. I'm giving it all to Jesus, my life to Jesus today. One, two, three. I'm going all in. Thank you. Who else would say, that's me? Thank you. I see, I see that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I see you. God bless you. I'm proud of you. Anybody else would say, that's me. I'm so proud. Several kids with their hands up today. I'm so proud of you. So thankful for you. That God so loved that he gave. Anybody else? I see you up top. Anyone else? 
proud of you. I see you up here. I see you back there. I'm so proud of you. Come on, let's say this prayer together on behalf of about 10 people who raised their hands today. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. Will you please forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. I need a fresh start. A clean slate. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I surrender. And from this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God today for salvation in in the house.